Deep in the sewers, surrounded by ooze, four mutant turtles practice sweet ninja moves. Welcome to Comic Book Keepers. Welcome to Comic Book Keepers, where we talk about comic book characters, their history, and their impact on our lives. I'm Chris. And I'm Lance. And today, we're talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And this is our first episode. Welcome, Lance. Yay, first episode. Oh, I'm so welcomed. (laughs) Well, we did have a little episode zero, but we're putting it out at the same time. So thank you guys for listening. Thanks for taking a chance. And I'm sure... You know, by the time you're listening to this, we probably have like 50 episodes. We're talking about, you know, Colossus and we're talking about Booster Gold. And it's and we are one of the top podcasts on the list of all the podcasts that exist. I mean, you know, Joe Rogan. I think that's inevitable. It's inevitable. But here we are on our first podcast. And so you have a lot of catching up to do future selves. Um, So who are the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, or just Ninja Turtles, or TMNT for short, are four anthropomorphic talking turtles that are trained as ninjas by their mutated rat sensei. They are named after Renaissance artists. As such, Leonardo, the tactical level-headed leader, the one that feels training is important and often takes responsibility for the team's failures, He has a blue headband and wields katana swords. Michelangelo, the party boy, jokester, lover of pizza, and most teenage of the foursome, but has a heart for adventure. He has an orange headband and wields nunchucks. Donatello, the brainy engineer and inventor. He'd rather think or talk his way out of the problem. He has a purple headband and wields the bow staff. Raphael, the loner and resident rebel of the group aggressive, and most likely to wander off on his own, yet he's intensely loyal to his brothers. He wears the red headband and wields two sides. They fight criminals, evil scientists, aliens, and lots of mutated creatures in the streets of New York, all while trying to mostly remain hidden from the world, because ninjas. How did this ridiculous concept come to be one of the most popular comic books of all time? For that, we go... Into the archives. Now, with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, before they were made, we have to go back to their creators, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. And with that, we have to think about where they were at that time when they were created. So, sit back and relax. Let's paint a picture, shall we? Setting the illustrious epicenter of Mirage Studios, a breeding ground for the next phase of comic greatness, complete with sofa, carpet, a TV. Wait, th- those are things in the living room. This is a living room. Their studio was a living room because they didn't really have the money to start a big studio in the beginning, and that's why they called it Mirage Studios. It was a joke between them, between friends. They were ship- shopping around the creation of Fugitoid, a comic character they had created, and as they sent out their letters to other studios, they were welcomed with not the kindest words and rejection letters coming through the mail. Now, one night when 
they weren't feeling particularly well about their projection in the comic book industry, Kevin Eastman decided to draw a picture to make Peter Laird laugh. That picture just so happened to be a turtle with a headband and ninja weapons. Peter Laird liked it so much that he, in turn, created his own Ninja Turtle. And if you have two, well, you really need four. And after they had penciled and inked this page, they thought, we might be onto something. So, rather than trying to shop around their creation, they decided that they were going to self-publish through Mirage Studios, the very first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comic book. This comic book, obviously the resources were limited, and so where many comic books come out with thousands and thousands and thousands of issues, TMNT number one was limited to only 3,275 copies in a black and white sale comic that was an oversized magazine size, which was released in May of 1984. That's not a lot. 3,000? That's that's not very many comics at all. And if anybody has one of those original comics, let us know. After the release, they thought, well, that's great. We finally have our comic idea out there. But they soon realized that they might have had a hit on their hands. Because comic books came back saying, we already sold out. And those incoming numbers, as far as pre-orders, had jumped up to 15,000 for issue two. Which only exploded afterwards with following issues and higher and higher numbers for pre-orders. So now that we know how TMNT came to be a comic, let's actually talk about it. Yeah, so we already met our four Ninja Turtles. Let's talk about a few specific things about the comic. The setting is mostly in New York City, which throughout the runs of the different comics and cartoons and even the movies, it mostly takes place in New York. Sometimes, however... We will find a setting that takes us to feudal Japan. That happened in one of the movies, and I think it happened through one of the series of one of the cartoons. And occasionally Classic. we will, f- yeah, and occasionally we will find the Ninja Turtles in outer space. This happens a few times in some of the Ninja Turtles adventures, the Archie Comics run, and I think there is a couple of cartoons where they go out into space as well. So don't you can't forget the Power Rangers in space crossover. They go into space there too. Sure, not even counting crossovers, they also go to Gotham City, apparently, because there's a crossover with Batman. All right, so those are the settings. Now, for jobs, they really don't have any other jobs other than they're just ninjas. I was trying to find if there's any other things that they might have had. There was a lot of toys where, you know, Raphael was a baseball player, and and they were also samurai and stuff like that. But I'm just kind of saying that they are the protectors. They don't really have secret identities. They just are who they are. They're not really any other affiliations other than their own organization of Ninja Turtles. One time, Leonardo was a member of the Foot Clan. We'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, And then as far as supporting cast, there are a lot of really cool supporting characters. We're just going to name a few of the kind of key ones. Of course, you have Splinter, the rat mutated sensei that trains all of the Ninja Turtles in the art of ninjutsu. The two main humans that the Ninja Turtles deal with are April O'Neil and Casey Jones. Now, April O'Neil has is interesting because a lot of people are familiar with April from the 1980s cartoon. She's a... Um, do you remember, Lance, what April did in the cartoon? 
She was a reporter. She was a reporter, right. April O'Neil in the cartoon, in the 1980s cartoon, was a reporter. And she always was very Lois Laney about, you know, hey, that's going to make a great story and I'm going to get a story. And she worked for this news company and, and that's what she did. Now, in the comics, in the original comics by Mirage and also the IDW run, April is actually a research assistant. She was the assistant to Baxter Stockman. She's not even in the first issue. She's actually in the second issue, and she's helping out Baxter Stockman as a lab assistant. And in the IDW run, she's actually also a lab assistant as well, and she's kind of taking care of these turtles. She's actually kind of part of their origin, which we might get into later. But it's interesting that they kind of, in the cartoon, they sort of retconned her into, hey, she's a reporter. In the movies, she also kind of is a reporter as well, because I think so many people were familiar with the cartoon that they kind of kept it. Over the years in various cartoons and comics, she's had different iterations. Uh, she's been a lot younger. She's also been a different race. So, I mean, they've, they've definitely changed her a lot, uh, and, and which is kind of cool. So you definitely see the fish out of water, the sort of audience perspective is April O'Neil. Now, Casey Jones couldn't be more different from <laughs> April O'Neil. He is a vigilante hockey mask wearing person sort of ally of the turtles he first meets Raphael, and of course they get in a fight because that's what they do and he's ha also had some different origin changes over the years but essentially he's a rough and tough ally of the ninja turtles that will go into battle with them and has a little bit of some crazy kind of dirty hairy kind of things in his background, uh, sometimes he's kind of hard to reason with. Sometimes he's a bit of a loose cannon. So that's that's Casey Jones. Other characters that we see throughout uh, the Ninja Turtles is, of course, there's a lot of villains. So the main one, we have Shredder. We have Krang, a talking brain. Yes, you heard that right. Uh, we have the Foot Clan, who Shredder is in charge of, but just sort of the organization of the Foot Clan is pretty big as well. We have a couple of mutants like Bebop, Rocksteady, Old Hob. Uh, there's Baxter Stockman, who is a is the aforementioned lab scientist who is responsible for the Mausers and other things. And then later on becomes a mutant uh, of sorts himself. Uh, there's the Rat King. There's Dragonlord. There's the Triceratons, alien Triceratops people. Crazy. Uh, there's Slash, the snapping turtle from Dimension X. There are so many mutant uh, figures and animals and things like that, not just from the cartoon, but from the comics. Too many to mention. Um, I'm looking at the Wikipedia and just there's so many weird names as well. And yeah, it's it's a it's a motley crew of different characters. And I definitely recommend if you haven't if you're if you're a fan of the Ninja Trolls from the 80s and it's been a while, go back and look at these character names because they are pun-laced gems, as you will. So now we're going to go to uh, the poll list, where we're going to recommend some suggestions for comics to start with if you want to get into Ninja Turtles. Maybe you haven't read it in a while, or maybe it's your first time. Where do you start? With Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you absolutely need to start with the original run from Mirage. With the original first volume collection, you'll get issues 1 through 11 of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, with obviously issue number 1 being very important. And for story-wise, they actually 
kill off Shredder in the first issue because they had no idea how long the comic would actually be going. So their most popular villain throughout the entire mythos of Ninja Turtles was actually killed off in the first issue. Most likely, it will also include the micro-series, which would include Raphael Number 1, which is the first appearance of Casey Jones, Leonardo Number 1, Michelangelo Number 1, Donatello Number 1, and Fugitoid Number 1. See, I'm going to offer an alternate uh, recommendation uh, because it also depends on how old you are and what kind of stuff you're into. I, I would, as an adult, recommend also the original run of Mirage Comics. But I think if you're a little bit younger, like in your early teens, uh, maybe under 10, I would start with the one of two things. I would say if you want to go back and relive some of the the style and the humor of those early 80s cartoons, or if perhaps you're a parent and you want your kid to sort of have comics in that style, look for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Adventures published by Archie Comics. And there also are collections of those as well. Uh, those are basically adaptations of the original 1980s cartoon series. The first storyline was directly adapted from Enter the Technodrome, the first kind of four four issues, four episodes of that cartoon, but then they kind of went on their own and they went on their own path and they started doing completely different things independent from the animation. So that's a really fun one to start with. If you're just getting into it kind of new and you've never read Ninja Turtles before, I would say start with the IDW run, like from issue number one, IDW in the early 2010s. I think that's a good place to start. They kind of start over. They don't really reference, you know, anything from from before. It's appropriate enough, I think, for kids, but um, but it's not going to be so, you know, out there that people that are fans from the Ninja Turtles from before are still going to appreciate it, and they're going to like some of the things that are changed for a modern audience. It's not going to be as dated for like 80s references and jokes like cowabunga and awesome and stuff like that. So I, either one of those I think are good places to start. Because we'll get into a little bit about the rights of Ninja Turtles a little bit later. But in 2009, with the switch over of who owned Ninja Turtles, in 2011, IDW came out with that Ninja Turtle comic book line. And within those first few issues, they took the essential parts of Ninja Turtles and made it a little bit more accessible, a little bit more family-friendly, whereas the original Mirage comics were far more gritty, dark. They were hyper-violent. Within the first issue, Splinter, who we've come to know as this really zen, uh, peaceful, leading master of the Ninja Turtles, he was calling out for blood against Shredder in the Mirage run because... Throughout their storyline, Shredder had, had killed Splinter's former owner, and there was just this feud between them. Whereas with IDW, now you have an updated origin, which, honestly, if you haven't read or you don't know about the updated origin, I don't really want to spoil it. But there is an element of reincarnation, which is really exciting. And that first volume is called Changes Constant, which is a fantastic read. Uh, written by Tom Waltz and Kevin Eastman, uh, co-creator of Ninja Turtles, came back on to, to develop the storyline with this new run. 
within the same vein with IDW, a later run was called City Fall, which is a fantastic story about Leonardo, who is thought to be this amazing leader of the Turtles. He's really the level-headed one. He gets brainwashed and turns to the side with Shredder, and he has a new suit, and it looks extremely cool. And you just get this back and forth of Leo being brainwashed and fighting against his family and the other turtles not wanting to really hurt him, but they need to stop him because he's devastatingly powerful and he knows their weaknesses. So if you really are trying to get into Ninja Turtles from the beginning, IDW is a great place to start. There, there was a third company that kind of in between Mirage and IDW, which was Dreamwave. Um, that one only did adaptations of the 2003 animated series. So it wasn't really like original stuff, but they, they just kind of did their own take from that. But the main ones are Mirage and IDW for the comics. Of course, you can find a lot of these on Comixology if you want to stay digital or in your local comic book shop. Um, you can find collected editions Definitely recommend finding something like that. A very fun crossover that's actually going on in comics right now is a five-issue crossover with IDW's TMNT and Boom Studios' Power Rangers. Now, with this crossover, it's 80s and 90s properties really crossing over and getting a really fun story, and and Shredder gets a power-up, and the Ninja Turtles get their own power up as well possibly a little bit of help from some power coins and power ranger abilities and you get to the, see the, the shredder does shredder get a zord shredder steals a morpher and a power coin and becomes a ranger oh no <laughs> yeah so there's there's some problems there and of course with the crossover like this you want to see the turtles get an upgrade too so at one point, Shredder makes it so the regular Power Rangers aren't able to morph. And so the Ninja Turtles have to step in and use their morphers, and they get their very own suits. <laughs> and it looks beautiful. The The illustration is fantastic. It's written by Ryan Parrott, who is also currently writing the Power Ranger run for Boom Studios. And it's... It's so well done. You can tell that he is a huge fan of both Power Rangers and Ninja Turtles because if you've watched the cartoons, if you've read the other comics, if you've seen the live-action films, there are so many Easter eggs throughout this run that it will make, whether you're a fan of Power Rangers or you're only a fan of Ninja Turtles, you'll love you'll love it. It doesn't matter if you're really not into one or the other. If you like either one, you're good to go. Nice. Have... Eastman and Laird ever worked back together? I, I know that they were working together in the original run, but then there was a bit of a falling out at some point. Are they getting back together at some point to work on some sort of Turtles property? Yes, and it's very exciting because there's a story that Kevin Eastman recently kind of uncovered in his notes, and it's a story that he and Peter Laird developed back in 1987. Now, this storyline, it's called The Last Ronin, and it's going to center around one turtle left over while the rest of family and friends have fallen to the wayside. And I actually have the synopsis right here, and I'm going to read it because it's going to do a much better job of explaining really what's going on than what I can possibly do. 
<clears throat> Reading voice. In a future, New York City, far different from the one we know today, a lone surviving turtle goes on a seemingly hopeless mission to obtain justice for his fallen family and friends. Now, I don't know about you, but a grizzled ninja turtle wielding every weapon that his fallen brothers have used on a seems what's going to be a rampage against those that have wronged his family sounds pretty great wouldn't you say yeah it sounds awesome and and they haven't said who it is yet but there's a lot of bets on like who we think this last ronin's going to be i'm hoping that we get to see a grizzled mikey just because he seems to be the one that's least likely to be the last one i'm kind of hoping it's yeah, Donatello. <laughs> Just, I don't know, it'd be interesting to see him, like, step outside of his uh, engineer kind of thing, like, sort of macgyver but but he just becomes a lot more Clint Eastwood <laughs> in his attitude. But it'll be interesting. Um, so yes. that might be coming out later this year? Yes, yeah, so it'll be coming out later this year. It's going to be a five-issue series, and it's going to be a 48 pages per issue so an extremely well-developed story we're going to get a lot going on so obviously again it's a concept developed by eastman and laird many years ago and waltz who is who is writing the ninja turtle the idw ninja turtle stories is also coming on to help with writing and the story will be interesting because it's set in the future so it's actually set in 2040 so Maybe we'll see some interesting tech, which if it's Donnie, maybe he's got some things up his sleeve that can do some serious damage. That sounds cool. So late 2020, look for that. The last Ronin. I think the other thing that if you want to get some sort of hype hype issues, <laughs> probably the thing to look out for is pretty recently in the IDW run, um, they introduced a fifth turtle in the comics. And it is a female and her name is Jenica, which uh, the first thing, you know, I'm sure a lot of people thought was like, who is Jenica, the Renaissance artist? Is that a famous Renaissance artist we don't know about? Eh, it's fine. It doesn't have to, you know, be a Renaissance artist every time. This is, was a big deal. It was kind of around issue 100. And um, without giving away too much, there is a female human that is, I think she has ninja abilities already. And for some reason, she's very hurt. Leonardo gives her a blood transfusion. It causes her to essentially, in a couple of panels, mutate into a turtle. Um, she kind of goes off on her own way, probably dealing with, you know, that, that radical change in her life. And then at some point later on, um, she ends up joining up with the team. So right now in the comics, she is the fifth turtle. Um, this is not the same as the live action thing, which we'll get to when we talk about adaptations. But um, that's that's kind of a cool storyline in the IDW run. Uh, if you want to look for something that's really cool and also kind of a hot issue. And I think she also has her own miniseries as well. She actually first appears in issue 95 of the IDW run, and she does have her own solo series running right now. So along with the pull list, Something that we wanted to talk about is Grail Finds. Now, a Grail Find could be a book that has a lot of value that you find out in the wild, or it could be something that's just really sentimental to you that has to do with the subject matter that we're going to be talking about that week. So, Chris, do you have a Grail for TMNT? Yeah, the, the reason that we chose 
Ninja Turtles for our first topic, our first characters as a group, is because this was a comic that really got me into comics. I was introduced to Ninja Turtles as most kids were. I was about 10 years old at that time when the first animated series came out, and I instantly loved it. I thought it was hilarious, and the jokes were so relevant at the time uh, of the late 80s as a 10-year-old. But, of course, it got me into collecting the toys and, and of course, trying to find out more about these characters I found out that there was a comic adaptation, and that was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Adventures, which were published by Archie Comics at the time. You can kind of look at the style, and it's sort of a direct adaptation of the style. Eastman and Laird handed the series over to um, employees, Ryan Brown and Stephen Murray, uh, Murphy, sorry, Stephen Murphy, who um, kind of went on their own direction and went off on their own storyline and went to some really interesting places. They definitely went into space. They had some really interesting characters. I think they def they brought in characters from the show, but kind of in a different way that they uh, didn't get introduced the same way in the animated show. So that was my sort of introduction with the turtles and in, in, into comics was the Ninja Turtles. And as far as my grail find, I think the one I'm most proud of is the original Archie Comics miniseries of Ninja Turtles Adventures because um, they did a three issue miniseries and then they did sort of a issue number one again to kind of restart it everything. So I have the three issue miniseries. Um, it's not signed or anything, but it's still in pretty good condition and and uh, I was happy with it. And I, I collected Ninja Turtles Adventures for quite a, quite a few years after that going into the 90s. So I think it only went to like issue 120 or I don't know. I'll probably cut that's that. A, that's a but, lot uh, of issues to collect in a series. Yeah, but I only went to like issue 60 or something. So, but still, it was that's, it was a lot. Like I had, I had a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, the cool thing about those issues is they are really significant to Ninja Turtles because in that first issue of the Archie Comics TMNT Adventures. You have first appearance in human form of Bebop and Rocksteady. You also have first yes. appearance of Krang. You also have the first showing of the Technodrome. Yeah. And then in issue two, you get to see the mutated Bebop and Rocksteady. And granted, this is not um, amazing art back in the day. This is this is 80s, late 80s comic illustration. How so dare you? It is um, beautiful. It's it is beautiful. four color print uh, offset, you know, <laughs> bad ads. I mean, it's it's, you know, they're they're lucky to get a comic comic adaptation. I don't think they knew at that point like what they had. But then this is clearly one of those things that um, it turned into something like, wow, this is really cool. And I imagine that a lot of people collected this for sure as as kids that weren't really into the violence of the original comic but they were like wow this is cool and it took a couple of years for me to f figure out that there was another ninja turtles comics run and it was this black and white comics run and i was like what is this and i thought it was wasn't even the original but you know as a kid you kind of have to figure out these things what is your uh, grail find my grail i found at a used bookstore in san diego and i was looking through the trade paperbacks and one that was far thicker than the others really caught my eye. 
and it was TMNT Collected Book Volume 1. And it was turned out that it was the first time that the black and white Mirage TMNT run had been put into a single volume. And it has this beautiful cover that's just one of the turtle's faces. And it had issues 1 through 11, as well as the micro series. And then a few little add-ons at the end. But it was, it's... It turns out that it was actually a hard volume to find because there weren't many of them printed. And what made it even more significant for me, as far as being a Grail, is when I was uh, going to grad school, Kevin Eastman actually came to one of the local comic book shops out there. And I met him. He's unbelievably nice. One of the coolest guys you can meet in the comic book industry. And I had him sign that collected volume. And even when he saw it, he asked me, he's like, where did you find this? So he even kind of, he knew really what it was and that they didn't really make too many of them. And then while I was there at that signing, I looked over and he's obviously selling other things there along with just signing. And there was this beautifully illustrated and inked image. It was like a three-quarter body sketch cover done of... Raphael and personally for me I I really like Raphael and so I couldn't really pass it up and so I I snagged that too and it it's probably one of my favorite items I have in my collection period well one thing we didn't really ask each other is who is your favorite turtle out of the four well like I mentioned I'm a big fan of Raph I always thought he was more intriguing than the other turtles. He had a dark side. He went out on his own. He wasn't willing to go along with the flow of everything that Leo would say. And as you know, that angsty young kid, that sounds Hmm. pretty fun to go against the grain. Yeah. How about you? I, I liked Raphael from the cartoon, but then when I started reading the IDW comics, I really liked Donatello. Um, I like how they kind of built up his character. Um, I almost kind of became like a Michelangelo fan <laughs> from a, from like, I don't know about Michelangelo. Like, I don't want to be that, you know, like be like follow the popular, like party guy. But I, I don't know. I really liked um, how he was portrayed, but Donatello definitely won me out. Um, I just like his kind of level head and everything like that. And there's some dramatic stuff that happens. I won't say anything, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with with Donatello, he's that character that I did not like at all when I was younger, because they really? really played up. They really played him up as this nerdy yeah. turtle that wasn't good at fighting. That for sure wasn't the leader. He wasn't the fun one. He he kind of fit into this weird situation where he wasn't very good at much aside from kind of doing his gadget thing. Yeah, and. Whereas now in the comics, he he's way more developed, far more interesting character. But when you think back about like just the character design period, so you have Splinter who's there and he's training his his quote unquote sons, and he they've kind of graduated and they receive their weapons. And so you have Leo with the katana. And Raph with the size, and Michelangelo with the nunchucks. And then it's kind of, you get to the point where 
Splinter might have just had to look around the room and said, Donatello, I will give you, uh, uh, the bow, the bow staff. That's what I will give you. And he probably replied that that's literally a stick. You look, you looked over and that, there was a stick. This is a mighty weapon. <laughs> I I literally saw you just using it as a walking cane. It's a, it's a range weapon. It's 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 pretty cool. You can get people from a long way away, like six feet. Yeah, but but my brothers, they have literal knives. They can stab people. Rise as brothers, Ninja Turtles, with your mighty weapons. To be fair, though, as much as the bow staff might not initially have been as cool in that original issue. It was Don with his bow staff that took out Shredder. So got to say something for range. We're going to leave you to ponder that. And we're going to take a little bit of a break. It's halftime in our episode about heroes in the half shell. And we just want to say that we love you guys. Thank you for listening to issue number one of comic book keepers. We hope that this is the beginning of a beautiful podcast and a beautiful friendship, Lance, with me and you. And, um, well, we're already friends, but, you know, even more, more friends so now. Deeper more, more so now. Yeah, we are like brothers. We are like the Ninja Turtle brothers now. And uh, with our love of comics. But we want to thank everybody for listening. The best way that you can support the podcast is to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or whatever podcast service you listen to. Just leave a rating and review a five-star rating that would be even better but uh you know any rating and review anything that you want but anything that you uh want to say about the show uh check out our twitter or instagram at cbk cast that's cbk like comic book keepers cast and you can um, tweet at us or uh, reply to our instagram posts and we would love to interact with you guys Thank you all for listening. Let's get back to the episode. Wow, there have been a lot of adaptations for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> so, so many adaptations. I mean, Arguably, now we're doing Spider-Man next week, and there's a lot, and there's a lot for Batman. Uh, Ninja Turtles has got to be up there in one of the most merchandised, multi-adapted franchises in all of comics. I mean, it has to be. Like, there's just so many. So let's kind of break it down here. I'm going to go down the list, and if we want to, we'll talk about favorite movies, favorite cartoons. But uh, so as far as movies, there were six uh, theatrically released movies, five live action and one animated. Uh, and there was a few direct to video, like the Batman Ninja Turtles thing. Um, for, as far as cartoons, um, there were four animated series starting in 1987 and going up until current times, 2020. Uh, there was one live action series. Now this was the aforementioned late nineties, show called Ninja Turtles The Next Mutation. Now this was sort of a sequel to the live action movies. There were three live action movies starting in the 80s. Um and then 
After the third one, they said, hey, let's make a live action show. It only lasted for one season. It was terrible. Other than they introduced a female turtle named Venus de Milo, who was uh, skilled in the mystical arts of the Shinobi. Um, but it was it was weird and it was kind of badly done. And um, other than that, they did they did the live action turtles did make a guest appearance on Power Rangers in space. It's it was beautiful. canceled after one season. Yeah. <laughs> so other than that little gem, um, don't even, it, it's, it's weird. Um, then other adaptations that they've done, there have been a ton of video games, including uh, going back to the original Nintendo all the way up to the modern console. There have been board games. There have been role-playing games. There's a ton of merchandise, costumes, cereal. There was even a concert tour. Yes. The coming out of our shells tour. And I have to say, my wife went to see that show when she was a little girl. So um, there's a reason that we love each other. Um, it's not that she went to see the show, but we both had a love for Ninja Turtles, of course. Does she, does she still have the emotional scars from the show? Uh, she still has the VHS tape. Oh, so even worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And the shame. <laughs> so much um, shame. But I went, I went I, to a live showing of the Power Rangers, so I can't say anything. Oh, let's, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> so, but what I think Ninja Turtles, we need to definitely kind of just mention that what started a lot of this was the toys. So Eastman and Laird were, had a marketing guy and they were like, hey, we need to make some toys of this. They went to all the toy companies. This is a classic story. They went to all the toy companies. Everybody was like, Ninja Turtles? No, thank you. They didn't have the cartoon yet. So they finally found this, this uh, toy company called Playmates. And they were famous for making dolls. And they were like, well, we don't have any action heroes. Uh, sure, we'll do this. What What is it about? And they're like, it's these ninja mutated turtles in New York. And there's all these weird characters. And there's a guy that turns into a fly. And there's a guy that turns into a rhino guy. And uh, they've got ninja swords. And they're like, great, we'll do it. Uh, so, But you need to have a cartoon first. So if it wasn't for Playmates, we wouldn't have the, the cartoon, which made them so popular. So it's kind of like they're cyclical. They all work together. They made the cartoon, the the toys, and, and none of the toy stores were like, we're not carrying this. We're not going to carry the, the, nobody's going to buy this. Toys R Us, rest in peace, said, we'll take a chance. We're going to exclusively have these Ninja Turtle toys. The first wave came out, Donatello, Raphael, Leonardo, Michelangelo, Splinter, April, and I think the party bus sold out. <laughs> like, went away, you know? Uh, and then they were like, Oh man, we got something. So the, the animated series went crazy. The toys went crazy. Um, after that it's history. Did you ever have any of those original playmates, uh, figures? My brother was actually the big teenage mutant Ninja turtle fan in our home. I was a little bit younger. So at that time I was more into power Rangers Nice. But we had a lot of the toys, a literal tub. I th I think my parents yeah. loved this. This was Ninja Turtle toys. They were thick. Like, oh, yeah, this is not like G.I. Joe where you pull the leg and the little elastic band like Ninja Turtle toys were like you. You held it by a leg and it was <laughs> it was like a good handful and there's all the little accessories. And it was definitely like you put it in a tub like mm -hmm. these, these, are... these, these guys were uh, 
swole toys. <laughs> These are throw them at your sibling, make them have to get stitches toys. A- absolutely. And uh, and kind of frightening, like some of these characters, some of these action figures, there were flies and there were manta rays and there was a gecko and there was uh, a crocodile and they, they weren't the most good looking, you know, there weren't like the Transformers or G.I. Joe's like these were weird looking things uh but they were so cool and very bright and i had a ton of them i had so many i don't have very many now i I have the original shredder i have my four ninja turtles i stole my brother's slash i still have it i had slash yeah i love slash he looks like a maniac he was great yeah they made a lot of adaptations out of the movies lance what what do you think your favorite was i have to i loved just out of nostalgia i loved the first two live action films that they made in the 90s so in 1990 tmnt the first one came out and it was amazing it had that darker tone like the mirage comics did mm-hmm. it, it wasn't really pulling punches they were going all out with their weapons they're fighting they showed killing off shredder in the film he literally gets crushed by a trash compactor yeah it was it was darker and obviously you had jim henson uh, as a part of these films and so the puppetry and the work was fantastic how about you the the creature shop definitely was cool and Mm -hmm. um the suits you know again like you mentioned it like for nostalgia's sake the 1990 original movie i think was my favorite although as much as there's a lot of hate for the michael bay re-release i gotta give some props to the most recent one which is out of our out of the shadows which was 2016 initially i didn't like the first one i didn't like the first michael bay one i thought it was weird i thought the design was weird i thought the casting was weird. Uh, I thought, <laughs> just like, Ugh. and then the second one came out and you could tell that they listened to a lot of fans and they were like, where's Krang? Where's Bebop and Rocksteady? Like what? what? You didn't do anything. And they, they brought in the party bus. They brought in Bebop and Rocksteady. They brought in Baxter Stockman. Tyler Perry plays Baxter Stockman. Uh, Perfect they, casting. They, they have Krang like, and, and it's kind of funny and, and like they do some fun stuff it's not great. I still like the original better, but in terms of it it was like, you could tell that they were like, let's just have fun with this. And we want people to see this for nostalgia's sake. And we want people to see this that are kind of new into the franchise. So I think they were definitely on the right path and apparently they're making another one, but we'll Hmm. see if it's going to be like another reboot or if it's going to be continuation of that. Um, As far as the animated series, do you have a, a favorite? The original animated series is classic, but I really enjoy the turtle design for the 2003 series. I think it was on Fox. Yeah, the 2003 series was pretty awesome. Um, I think that was probably the closest to the comics adaptation. Which is probably why I like it the most. Yeah. (laughs) Um, In terms of overall series, I got to go with the original uh, just because it's amazing. It's classic. 
Um, in terms of design, though, as an artist, I love the newest one. Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I think, from a character design standpoint, is really dynamic. Everybody looks different. Uh, Raphael is, like, huge, and Donatello is kind of skinny, and he's got these little goggles, and some of them have, like, face paint on, and it's it's kind of cool, and, like, even the designs are really cool. I love what they did with April, and, 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 uh, and like, even the voices are really fun, so yeah. it's way the vo- different the voice cast for that new show is crazy talented yeah i mean uh ben schwartz is is in there mm-hmm. and like and uh, one of the guys from silicon valley is in there so i mean like yeah it's a really fun cast and it's way different it's very much like modern cartoons like a lot more hyperkinetic a little bit of anime influence so some people probably aren't going to like it but i i really love the design of that but as far as overall design i gotta go with the original yeah. for sure the nice thing about having so many adaptations is it kind of can hit everybody's interest just because if you don't like the newest series, you can go back and really find what you do enjoy. Yeah. And and there's not a lot of comic books that can say uh, that they've had six different movies and four different animated series or a concert tour. <laughs> like there's, yeah. They Ninja Turtles has a lot of different fans across a lot of different um, demographics for sure. And the interesting thing, just because there have been so many iterations and the big switch ups that they've had in recent years is because in 2009, TMNT as a property was purchased by Viacom, Paramount and Nickelodeon for $60 million. So there's a a lot, obviously a property that had a lot of potential and these companies saw that and they really wanted to expound. And that's why we're getting all these interesting new takes on everything. One thing I do want to mention, though, about the sequel to the original TMNT live action film. So Secret of the Ooze. I love how I don't know if I love it. I just think it's very interesting how they weren't allowed to use their weapons really yes. in the second one. Yep. So they don't use them. <laughs> because they, they wanted it to be more family friendly and. And Ninja Turtles hacking down Foot Foot Clan soldiers like with bladed weapons didn't really appeal to mass families. Yeah. And so even in that initial fight scene, you have Leo throwing his katanas into the ceiling and jumping up and grabbing them and kicking a, a foot soldier in the face. And the only the only turtle that was allowed to use their weapon was Donnie. Yeah, because it's a bow. Because it's a stick. It's he a got stick. a stick. And, and you know, uh, we're going to have to give a shout out to the classic turtles dancing on stage with vanilla ice. Go ninja, go ninja, go. Because that happened. Yeah. And <laughs> and then we kind of have to talk about Toka and Razor. Do we? We kind of do, because what? where was Bebop and Rocksteady? Right. I mean, that's the thing. I think everybody was watching that movie saying oh they're gonna do and then who are these guys they're they're characters that they created for this movie and yeah they made toys of them but you know it was weird and the toys of the movie were weird looking they weren't like the other ones and then so i don't know i think that was that was sort of the first slap in the face of like wait a minute we're not gonna listen to you guys we're gonna do our own thing and then they had they made a new turtle but they didn't even make him slash. Right. Like, why? Why were these decisions made? You know, speaking of new turtles. 
Our next segment is called What If, and each week with each issue, we do what nerds do best. We expound on a premise regarding that week's subject matter and share our fever dream concepts for new creations. So as far as Ninja Turtles, we thought about what would we do um, in terms of the Ninja Turtles universe, and we just have, we had to go with, if we were to make a new turtle, what would they look like? Who would it be? And of course, the important question what color would their headband be? So Lance, why don't you go first? All right. So for my concept, I kind of wanted to take a little trip across the water. So we're in Japan concepts as far as ninjutsu is concerned. So we cross the water. We're in China. So within China, rather than doing ninjutsu, I decided my turtle was going to be trained as a Shaolin monk. Hmm. So their weapon of choice are going to be these hook swords that are actually called, and I apologize to all of China for my mispronunciation of this word, but Shuang Gao. Sounds good to me. So basically there's these hook swords, and so you can actually connect them on the end and swing around. And so for a very long distance, you can just swipe at and cut anything in your surrounding. And so that's a, they, it's a long distance, a long range attack well not long range attack but like medium range attack attack. yes and so it's it basically is taking katana swords to the next level because they are a sword there's a there's a hilt that kind of covers the knuckles too and so you can punch with those and those can stab you and then on the on the bottom underneath your underneath your wrist is basically a dagger and then they're hooked on the end so you can link those up, spin around, and you just went from being close combat to wiping out encroaching enemies. You're you're really into the weapon, it sounds like. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm not... So, this weapon popped up on a show that has long been over, um, Deadliest Warrior. So, basically, the premise of the show is they take uh, a warrior from a period of time and they put it up against another one. And I was obsessed with the monk episode because I thought their weapons were so cool. So that's why I went with with this Shaolin monk style turtle. And his name is Van Gogh. I know it's not a Renaissance artist, but I like the idea of a turtle that's just named Van. And his bandana is going to be a pure white. Or Or a pearlescent white, if you will. Like the White Ranger, like the White Ranger, because I can't get away from Power Rangers. And but if you, if it, but if he's a monk, you're kind of changing the um, the acronym a little bit. It would be T M M T. I do what I want. This is my create your own character. <laughs> okay, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> and the last, I know some people are like, "That's not Ninja that's Man. That monks are different." That's that's fine. All right, go ahead. I do my own thing. I'm a trend. Know, look, nerds agree to disagree. And the last little change i would make is i like the idea of having an alligator snapping turtle so along the lines of of uh along the lines of slash because i just love the idea of a little bit more grizzled or tougher turtle and so that would be my design so van the shaolin monk hook sword wheeling white bandana wearing turtle how about you that's awesome so I went back to the uh, 
Renaissance painters and creators. And I let that influence me for the name. And as far as turtles, I looked at different types of turtles and uh, I liked, I love Finding Nemo and I love Crush the sea turtle. So I thought it would be cool to kind of have a sea turtle design. And sea turtles have this cool spotted, speckled, sort of freckled skin. Um, their their forearms in the front are a little bit bigger. So I have a sort of yellow, almost um, almost kind of olive green, but sort of more yellow skin tone um, with these brown spots on his arms, legs, and a little bit of the head. And he's got a green headband. So it's more of a forest green, but it's a good contrast against um, the skin tone of the turtle, a little bit more traditional kind of stance and everything. His weapon would be throwing daggers, ninjutsu throwing daggers. So he'd have a belt going across. He'd have sort of almost like suspenders thing, and they would just be laced with several, you know, uh, throwing daggers that he can pull out really quickly and just you know, just throw them and uh, throw across the room. And I'm naming him Sandro after Sandro Botticelli, who did the birth of Venus most famously. Mm. So that's my, that's my Ninja Turtle, Sandro with the throwing stars and the green bandana. And we want to hear what ideas you have for a Ninja Turtle that you would create. So if you have an idea for your Ninja Turtle, send us a description of the Ninja Turtle's name, what color headband they would have, and what type of weapon that they would have as well. And you can use our Twitter at CBKCast and let us know these things. And we want to get back to you and we'll highlight that. And the best one we think is going to be really cool, I'm going to draw it and we'll put it on our Instagram and Twitter. How about that? That sounds pretty good to me. Now, we actually talked to our friends, uh, some of our friends in San Diego, and um, one of them already shared his his uh, vision for a Ninja Turtle, just as an example. So you get the feel of kind of what we're looking for. Do you want to read that one? Lance? Yeah. So our friend at Preston underscore Hill 91, <laughs> let us know that his turtle's name would be Nostradamus. His mask color would be gray and his weapon would be two whips. And he would also have a oh, nice. Southern accent. <laughs> so that's I love that's it. what I love everyone it. has to beat. You have to beat Nostradamus, the whip wielding gray masked turtle. Interesting. Nostradamus. So then we're going like kind of a different, not so much artist, but more like prognosticators and mm-hmm. scientists, and that, that could lead to a whole nother like second second wave of of uh turtles, like the next generation or something. So that's cool. I love the whips. <laughs> not an not really a ninja thing. Not though. at all. I don't every think. every true ninja turtle fan right now is just cringing inside from like shell and monks aren't ninjas. Ninjas don't use whips. Yeah. But have fun with this. We're not saying they have to be ninja weapons. We're not even saying, you know, they have to be um uh Renaissance artist names, but have fun with what your concept ninja turtles would be, if they are even ninjas. Maybe they're Maybe there's some other kind of uh, form of fighting, like 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 yours, like monks or dance fighting. <laughs> yes, they are all uh, versed in the art of gym kata. They're break dance fighting. So we want to thank you guys for listening to the show. We're going to wrap up by letting you know where you can find us online on Twitter. You can use the handle at CBKCast and use the hashtag 
CBK cast with your what if ideas or any questions or comments about anything that we discuss in the show. On Instagram, you can also find us at CBK cast and comic book keepers is hosted by the geekly grind. Stop by the geekly grind for all things geeky from comics, anime and manga to board games, video games, RPGs and more. Take a break from your weekly grind at the geekly grind. Thank you, Geekly Grind, for hosting us, and uh, definitely check out the website. And don't forget to check out the composer of our theme song, Arcane Anthems. Our good friend Wesson makes royalty-free music for tabletop role-playing games, campaigns, streams, and podcasts. You can check out his amazing work at Arcane Anthems on Twitter, TikTok, as well as downloading all of his available music for free from his Patreon, at Arcane Anthems. It is time to close the book on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's one heck of a comic book, and we hope that some of our recommendations and knowledge has helped you learn a little bit more about them. So until next time, this is Chris. And Lance. Reminding you to keep your friends close, but your comic books closer. Closer.